Welcome to Waypoint Church Online. My name's Keith. Uh, Today's reading is from Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son, Jesus. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them, so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so that I can bring you some spiritual gifts that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see spiritual fruit just as I have seen among other Gentiles. For I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilised world and the rest of the world, to the educated and uneducated alike. So I'm eager to come to you in Rome to preach the good news. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Thank you, Abby, for that reading. It's good to be here. If you just joined us, my name's Keith. I serve here at Waypoint Church, and it's really great that you're with us today. It's no accident, as I've said, that you're watching this at whatever time it might be. I believe the Holy Spirit has something to say to all of us as we gather around his word in these strange times but we're just going to pray before we dive into our new series unashamed uh, so excited about what the Lord's going to say to us but let's pray together as we do that together thank you Lord that we don't have to guess how it is you want us to be because you give us your word of truth we thank you as Peter says that in your word we have everything we need to live a godly life we thank you Holy Spirit that you come and you apply that and you challenge and you encourage and you convict and you strengthen and you equip but oh Lord at this time there is a great need for us to get perspective there's a need to really discover what it really means for us to be those unashamed followers of King Jesus so I would pray that in only the way you can that you would come, that you would just visit us individually and even as your church collectively give us what you're, you're going to give us, Lord. I pray you direct us, you'd shape us into the people you've called us for this season, 
Lord, it's something that none of us would choose. But Lord, here we are. And I just pray, Lord, that we won't just be simply those who are trying to get through. But simply as we look to you, we'll be those who really thrive. Because, Lord, you've called us to be a set-apart people who represent you well. So just be with us now as we look at this, your word. And we pray that anything from the speaker will be instantly forgotten. But anything from yourself, would you, Holy Spirit, would you imprint that on my heart, on our hearts together, as we gather now in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful for the person who first told me the gospel who first told me about King Jesus, that there was hope. Um, when it, for me, I was 16 years old. I know a lot of you don't know me. Maybe this is the first time you see me, but I was 16 years old. I was from an unchurched, as they say. I didn't go to church. I wasn't particularly religious, as it were. And I used to go to my uncle's every uh, summer for a couple of weeks. My mum would pack me off. I think six weeks was a bit too much of me. And I uh, don't know why, but she would pack me off to, my, to her brothers, my uncles. And it was brilliant. He lived in, in, in Nottingham. I'm from Hull originally. And I would go there and um, it was really great. It was the funniest time ever. I mean, the only thing in, in my early years was he used to talk about this guy called Jesus all the time. And it was kind of at first the downside. It was every single, every single sentence almost. But then I realised that this was an authentic living relationship and as I, I kind of matured not really but as I when I became 16 I, I, I started to be I was on the edge of the rest of my life you know sort of thinking well who might employ me what about relationships and things like that and uh, here's my uncle who just really introduced me to King Jesus and the need to be forgiven them and he, not only for that but to actually walk with him that he he had a wonderful plan of, of, that he wanted me to join in with him and to be a partner in his great uh, cosmic plan, as it were, to reconcile the whole universe. And I, I got excited about that and that some, the Holy Spirit was doing his work within me. But I'm so grateful. And I just want you to reflect now. I wonder if you think about the time when you first said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Just remember those times. because, And I say that right at the beginning of our series, Unashamed, is because it's really, really easy to kind of get into the routine of doing church stuff. To get into uh, the rotors, as they say. I've said it before that it's a little bit like a helicopter, the church. You know, if you get too close, you get sucked into the rotors. And while that's kind of amusing, it can kind of almost be the be an end all in itself. I guess I was privileged. I, I kind of met King Jesus first before I got anywhere near the church. And, and so then I realised the need and I needed equipping. And so that was important. But for those of you, maybe you've been doing this for many, many years. You've been in church since you were an egg or something. And we kind of get used to it. Maybe all the kind of exciting stories about yeah, when, I, when I first met. It was, was, was it's historical when I first met Jesus. Or we talk about historical events, baptisms many years ago. Wasn't it great when? But you know, I, I think when Jesus says, I've come to give you life in abundance. I believe that is a daily refreshing following. And, 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 and our prayer together as Jim and I team tag on this series is that we'll, we'll be reminded of what we said yes to. One of my favourite movies, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, is called The Notebook. It's, it's a really moving film and if you've not seen it, it the, the opening scenes start in, in a care facility, a care home and... 
uh, firstly, the, the opening scene is a lady and, and there's a visitor who's brought in by the nurse to see her. And uh, she doesn't know who he is and she gets quite agitated. And, 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 and at first it appears that this guy's maybe a friend of the home, just a general friend. He visits kind of whoever needs a visit sort of thing. And, uh, but it turns out in the movie that it's her husband. It's a soulmate. And what he does, and, and she sadly, and this is quite close to home for us as a family, she's, she, she's, she's got Alzheimer's and she's, she's forgotten about their relationship, about their story together. And what he beautifully and patiently does is he, he reads a story to her, but it's not just any story. He reads their story about their lives together. And what's really beautiful about it is that at certain stages in the story each time is she recognises who he is. She realises again the story she's part of. And you know, the reason I introduced this series like that is that you know, it can be the same in churches. As beautiful and as amazing as churches, it's God's great idea. Ephesians, Paul tells us, Ephesians 3, it's through the church that the whole gospel is made known. It's God's great idea. But it can be the same, same in church. And what I mean by that is that it can kind of feel like a care facility, if you want. Is you know, We're getting our needs met all the time. And, but what we pray as we walk through this series, just over the next few weeks, is, is, that, is that we're reminded again, is that the Holy Spirit himself will come and he'll remind us of the story that we're part of. And then as, as he keeps reminding us of that love story, of that reconciliation story, as he comes again and visits us and just rekindles, maybe he's even already doing that now. You're thirsting for what that story was. And he, he, he's, we pray he's going to come and he's going to remind us and that we will fall in love again. We want to follow again. Maybe the whole, we've dried out over the years or maybe just doing stuff, burning out, serving has kind of took the shine off things or those debates those difficult meetings whatever it might be life circumstances lockdowns and so we really pray as we team tag together Jim and I that we uh, might all of us be reminded of the story uh, that we're part of and to do that we're going to uh, start this series as we already said looking at a snapshot of text in Paul's letter to the church at Rome so we're not going to chunk through all 16 chapters in seven weeks we haven't got time for that so we're going to take some verses and we want to look at the uh, Paul's letter to the church at Rome through a discipleship lens. It's, it's, it's a really good exercise to do this. We can chunk through it expositionally and, and that's a great way of looking at the Bible. But the, the fact of the matter is if we want to look at this stage at the beginning of the year as we're, we're encouraged to be unashamed followers of King Jesus. We want to look at some snapshot texts from Paul's letter to the church at Rome and we've, we've titled it Unashamed and we, we, we really want to ask ourselves what does it mean to be an unashamed follower of King Jesus and importantly week by week what are the characteristics of a disciple of a follower of Jesus and maybe you're uh, watching this online and you've never bowed the knee and, you're, and already you're thinking what are they talking about you see, the gospel isn't about a call to a group or a building or, or even a set of beliefs in that, as it were, in themselves. This is about primarily a call to King Jesus to follow him and to sit under his rule. 
And so I, I would encourage you to stay with us, to tune in. Because it's easy to reduce the whole narrative, and, and this happens all the time, to some kind of ticket to heaven gospel. You know, you just got to believe this is what happened, Jesus died on the cross, and that is amazing. But I'm going to heaven, so what have I got to do now? Well, I, I, I kind of serve on all the rotors until Jesus comes, or until he calls me. And, and, and please don't read me wrong. We're so grateful for everyone who serves and makes it possible when we can gather and all the things that need so desperately doing. But if they themselves become the end game, it's kind of our ministry, it's all about that what defines me is what I do, then they've kind of taken the place of the one we first said yes to. And so, you know, I actually honestly believe, and, and please don't hear this wrong, is I'm not sure that when Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you life in abundance, he was thinking about rotors. I, I don't even really think he was thinking about a kind of exciting church service either, as good as they are. And we, we do that well. And, and so we really want to walk through some, some sample texts. And what I'm going to do today is by way of intro, introduction to facilitate our considerations. We're going to just look at a few verses from Paul's letter to this amazing church in Rome. It, it's about, it was about AD 57. And uh, it is a church that knew oppression. It was a church that knew the pressure of the times. And I guess we know the pressure of the times. There was a very young emperor called Nero on the throne. Now, when he first became emperor, he was 16 years old. Now, I guess most of us wouldn't trust our teenagers with our car, never mind the empire. But he was 16. And by the time Paul writes his letter, he's 19. I mean, so, yeah, he's got a bit, you know, he's, he's learnt a bit more. And at the moment, it's kind of... Mm, a bit edgy to be a Christian. The persecution, the real persecution is going to come in, in a half a dozen years or so. But still it was tense. Here was a church of people who were saying Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. In the heart, in the HQ of Rome. And Paul is saying you can follow Jesus there in the very heat of persecution, in the very heat of oppression. You can follow Jesus there. And it's so uh, important for us to look at how Paul encourages this really young church. And it was a church that actually Paul didn't, didn't found, he didn't plan. I mean, many of the churches Paul, write, Paul writes to, he, he actually founded on his mission trips. But here he is, he's writing from Corinth on his third mission journey, he's writing to a church. And that's what's great about it. See, it's not about Paul and all his work, even though he did great work. It's about a movement. And when we have a movement of believers, and remember the believers who would have gone out from Pentecost and from the great persecution when it started in Acts chapter 6. You see, this would then permeate out into Rome, the, the then capital of the then known world. And what I love about this is Paul just doesn't want to encourage them to survive. And I, and I would fully understand if our mentality was, you know, I need to survive. In this lockdown period, in all the restrictions, in what I can't do, I need to survive. But it's not about surviving at all. It's, I believe, actually, as Christ followers, we can actually thrive. In fact, Paul says to the church in verse 8 of chapter 1, I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. So this wasn't a church that was simply surviving until times got better. This was a thriving church, and I believe as individuals and as a corporate body, a local gathering, that 
as we seek to be the followers of Jesus he calls us to be, that we won't simply survive, we will thrive. And whatever we take from this series over the coming weeks, we can know that whatever restrictions, whatever opposition we have, that actually it's completely possible to thrive. A spirit anointed people that know the story they're part of as the spirit comes and, and reminds us of the story we're part of as a church and as an individual. I believe he's going to create a spiritual pandemic. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that pandemic where the J rate, the Jesus rate, really impacts others. Do you know, often I believe, and please forgive the picture, but I believe if, 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 if the coronavirus had kind of behaved in the way that Christians and churches often do, then all we'd have to do is avoid certain buildings and we wouldn't catch it, would we? The government could say, don't go to those buildings because you know, it's a pretty dangerous place to go and you'll be fine. Yet actually we need to best out and as an individual in the context that Christ has placed us, the spirit of mission has placed us, we can be infectious, viral for King Jesus. And so over these coming weeks we're going to pull out. And so if, you want, if you're looking for an exposition you might get frustrated and that, that, that's fair enough, I understand that. But we, we want to encourage you in a particular way to look at this through a lens of discipleship. And we, but today is by way of introduction and we're, we're going we're gonna to see and Jim's going to kick us off next week when we see that actually it starts, discipleship comes, it starts, it must start from a position of a servant heart. It says right at the beginning, this is what Paul says, doesn't he? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That Greek word doulos actually is a better translation of slave. Now that's not an attractive title. It's, it, it, but it's a beautiful word and often what Jesus does and what he had to do and what, and, and what we have to do today inverts all our expectations. You could say actually, uh, primarily a disciple is someone who knows that it's not about them. Right from the very first. I knew at 16 when I came to Jesus, uh, my uncle did a great job. He said, it's not about you. You know, so often we might say, well, we know it's not about us, but that's not always the case. Do you remember? I, I love the Bible. It's so honest. And it says uh, the disciples were arguing. And I'm so glad that, you know, God's people don't argue today. But it's so honest, isn't it? And it said the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest. It's always at the heart of something is my ego. I've been wounded. You know, it's about what I'm doing, isn't it? And, and Jesus said, you know, whoever wants to be the greatest of all must become a doulos. Must become a servant of all. And James says, doesn't he? He says, you argue and quarrel and fight. Why? Because you don't get what you want. Because why? Because you ask with the wrong motives. And so the disciple, the follower of Jesus primarily, we'll see that Jim will impact this, is one who realises it's not about me. Yet, you know, we say, yeah, of course I know that, Keith, it's, it's quite a straightforward thing. It, but, but not really. You know, we, it's just think of the language. The language we use is so important. And I've heard this, and look, don't get me wrong. I understand what people mean, but so often people might say, well, I've invited Jesus into my life. Well, good for you. And was he bored or something? Did he, want, did he not want you to follow him? I mean, did he say, hey, look, I'm not... Imagine him walking on the shore and saying to the disciples, what are you guys doing today? I've kind of bit bored of the kingdom plan. You know, let's change the record. No, he, 
You see, Jesus calls, he's always called his people, and, and, and God, as he calls people, is always calling to follow him into his, into his kind of cosmic, universal purposes of reconciliation. So Jim's going to unpack that, for, unpack that for us next week. And then we'll see in week three, and I'll be, I'll be back on the screen, is, is that discipleship also starts with the gospel, about having a, a full understanding of what it is we're actually communicating. In verse one again, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Gospel. It's great. It's something we all know and love, right? I mean... We all know the gospel, don't we? I, I, I mean, do we really? You know, a question I often ask people, some of you might know I'm involved with the training organisation. We train ministers and leaders across the UK and Europe in, in, in developing a DNA of disciple making. And one of the early questions we ask people is, is what is the gospel? And, and, and we're talking people who paid to do this. And one of the early exercises, I mean, do this at home, maybe even in your life group, your small group. Or in your family or, or, or on your own, just do this exercise. Uh, if, if you were asked to summarise the gospel in one minute, what would it be? Write it down. You know, some people struggle. Often, in fact, so many people do. It's not so much what people include, it's what they exclude. That really... Um, kind of fascinates me and in week three we're going to be looking at so what is the gospel what is this gospel because the disciple it's not only starts with a servant heart they know the gospel that they are to communicate that's so essential and it's a gospel that paul says in verse 16 he is not ashamed of i'm not ashamed of the gospel in week four we'll see that discipleship is evidenced by righteous living Paul can say in chapter 2, verse 13, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Now you might get some alarm bells going on here when it comes to the gospel, but can I say right at the front, obedience is not an enemy of grace. We can preach grace at the cost of doing anything. Well, it's just all grace. It doesn't matter. It's fine. But you see, a disciple, as well as being a servant, we'll see, is characterised by obedience. You know, so often it's, uh, we, we know the parables maybe from Sunday school. You know, remember the, the, the parable of the wise and foolish builders? Do you remember that one? And, you know, you might ask someone, well, what's the rock in that parable? And I know so many people will say, well, it's Jesus, isn't it? Of course my life is, I'm building my life on Jesus. And I, in a roundabout way, of course, that's always true. But, but actually the rock is obedience. You know, remember what Jesus said in that parable? He says, you know, well, whoever hears these words of mine and, put, and, and does not put them into practice, does not put them into practice, is like a man who built his house on sand when the wind and the waves came. It just got washed away. But whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is obedient, is like a man who built his house on the rock. That rock is obedience, is not an enemy of grace. And so a disciple is characterised, we shall see this, and we, we'll be looking at that in, in week four, is that actually uh, we're characterised by righteous living, by obeying what we hear. If you love me, says Jesus, you'll obey my commandments. It's not a salvation matter at all. 
This is about uh, that demonstrative obedience of having a new master, a new direction, a new rule. So we can see Jesus' followers starts with a servant heart, knows the gospel and the story they're part of, and is evidenced through obedience. And we're getting there. You're doing great. But in week five, we'll see that a disciple and discipleship is God's tried and tested method. We'll see this in Romans 4. Paul talks about Abraham. This is not a new thing. One of the great accusations against the apostle was this a new gospel? Is this a new way? We've always kind of followed Yahweh. And what's your way? Is this a new thing? And and in Romans 4, we see that this is how it's always worked. It's like Abraham, says Paul in in Romans 4. You know, Abraham was called out personally. Of course, it was was a personal call on his life. God came to Abraham with that great covenant promise right there in Genesis 12, 15, 17. Abraham was called. That's what happened. But actually, he was called for an international, a grander project as well. God always calls us to participate in his grander scheme, his grander project. So it's not a personal faith only. It's not only me and Jesus. And in the Western church, we've done this. We've made some kind of personal contract. And that's it. And I pray the Holy Spirit as we go through our time together. And that's what we'll do in that week five when we look at this series. Is we'll see that that's it. this is how God has always called the people out. And what this does is when we, when we come to Christ in that way, the, the new covenant, he still calls us to that international project to make disciples of all nations. You see, it takes away the obsession from me, myself and I, which is a great subject, isn't it? And then we'll see in the penultimate week that this is the part that not many people like. Probably why they don't speak about it up front. It's almost like some embarrassing small print. That discipleship, being a follower of Jesus, involves suffering and cost. In chapter 5, verse 3, We also glory in our suffering, says Paul, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Could I say to give you a clue with your one-minute gospel exercise, if you're going to write it or say it, I would say this is the number one thing people leave out of the gospel. There's no cost in following Jesus. You know, Christ has died for you that you might go to heaven. Come and ask him into your life. And all you need to do then is pray that he'll help you in your university course and interviews. And that's great. But there's no cost. You know, how people, people say to me, I love the promises of Jesus. I do. They're amazing. I will be with you always. God, we need that now, don't we? I go to prepare a place for you. Wow, what future hope we have. But you know, Jesus also said in John 15, 20, remember what I told you, he says in John 15, 20, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. That's a great promise as well. You don't see that on many fridge magnets. Look at that fridge magnet, you know, great, I'm going to be persecuted. Paul says, Timothy, all those who want want to be a disciple, want to follow Christ, will be persecuted. The great promises of scripture, but we cherry pick, we pick and choose, and it comes from an incomplete gospel. And we need to ask ourselves, and ask yourselves this week, maybe in your life groups or small groups, or just ask yourselves or in your families, 
I've written this gospel, I've done them in one minute, I, I've summarised it, but what sort of disciple will my gospel produce? Maybe someone who's entitled. Maybe someone who doesn't really appreciate cost. And so I meet so many people who somehow, somehow, they say, well, you know, I tried it once. I, 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 I kind of said this prayer at some camp years ago. And... Well, you know, church got hard. It, it can be. And, yeah, it, it didn't work. And, you know, often I say, so can I get this right? Just for one minute, please, allow. You, fought, you said yes to King Jesus, that I want to follow you, whatever the cost. You said that. You said, I thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me, that I might enter into this new relationship and follow you into your international plan to reconcile the world. And every day you were walking with Jesus and talking with King Jesus and looking and listening to him by his Holy Spirit through his word and through his people and through worship and through everything he blesses you with. And it kind of wasn't for you. Please. What I usually find out is that what people have rejected is a very, very, very basic, I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven, and I was serving in church, I got tired, I fell out, and, and it kind of didn't work, and no, that's not really what I want to do. Don't blame you. And what I would say is if, if you're not a believer yet, there's hope for you because you haven't got really much to unlearn. If you've been doing this a long time already, you might be thinking, hmm, not sure about this. Please email me, by the way. If you've got a gospel, if you've got questions, keith.foster at waypointchurch.org.uk. I, I don't care if I get 300 emails. I would love that. It's locked down. It's been really great to meet many people. I've been walking and over the next uh, couple of weeks or so in this series. I'll be getting some video testimonies of people where we've been talking about what is the gospel for you? What sort of disciple will your gospel create? So we'll do that. And in the final week, here we go. The preacher's great promise, the final point is we shall see that discipleship involves total transformation. Chapter 6, verse 3. Don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? It's often used at baptism. This is a symbol of what's going on. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. To the Corinthians, Paul says, the old is gone. The new is here. Anyone, anyone. That's, I think last time I looked at that definition, it meant anybody, anyone. Even looking at the Greek, it, you know, looking at it, quite a long time, it, it means anyone. Okay? So that probably includes you. I think we all come under that. But anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. It involves transformation, new direction, new master, new life. And as I bring this down today, thank you so much. Can you imagine what sort of individual followers we would be? What sort of family, what sort of family home, what sort of employees or bosses or ministry leaders what sort of church would we be if individually and collectively we pledged in our hearts in cooperation with the Holy Spirit? This isn't a works thing to be Christ followers who knew the story we were part of, knew the gospel we believed and subsequently shared that with others, who with right living 
righteous living modelled what being a Christ follower was all about. Who realised that this was God's tried and tested method, a personal and international project. Who were willing to pay the cost, whatever that was. Whose lives were transformed, lives that transformed others around them. And who were ultimately unashamed followers of King Jesus. I, I want to imagine that. And I've got to be honest, that's why I showed up in September. Because I think that's what the church said they wanted to happen. And I really, this isn't about me. Because if it is, there's no servanthood in that. This is about a movement of people who say yes. And whether you said yes 50, 60, whatever years ago. Five, ten. Or you've never said yes King Jesus, I want to follow you and bow the knee. I want to invite you. Maybe this is a time now. When all the things have been stripped away from our everyday. When we're questioning what normal is. We are called still to follow the one who understands. Who's bringing everything. That one day, you know, Paul says to the Philippian church. You know, one day every knee's going to bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, I can't wait. I can't wait for King Jesus to return. What will he find? You see, I believe that that's a project worth committing to, worth believing in. So as we team tag over these few weeks ahead, we pray that you will engage with this series over the coming weeks. But much more than that, this isn't about getting an agreement. We're great at agreeing things and staying as we are. But that you'll step into everything that the Lord has for you. And calls you too as well. And we want to be accountable to you in this. Email email me, email us and say, I want to do this. I don't know where to start. This is my story. Be, we want to be accountable to you in this. Or maybe you've never bowed the knee to King Jesus. We invite you to come and follow and discover. And he's made it possible, you know... King Jesus, God himself, came and he went to that cross for all the stuff we've ever done as an offence against him, past, present, future. And he's the only way that that slate can be wiped clean. But that's just the beginning. He then calls us into this great plan of reconciliation to bring a people to himself and to restore the whole cosmos. And one day he's coming back and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And he wants you to be part of that. So I'm going to pray now. Thank you so much for your patience today. And I pray you're as excited as I am about what it might mean to be an unashamed follower of King Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, we acknowledge that sometimes we have forgotten. Perhaps uh, life took over. Perhaps just things happened. Or maybe we didn't start on the right foot anyway. Maybe it was missold, as it were. But Lord, we thank you that your word reveals a life in abundance. And that's not a life that we choose around prosperity and about health and all those things that so many people want to promise us. It, it's a life of unashamed following that is completely fulfilled in Christ and totally satisfied in you. And Lord, would you be, Holy Spirit, we need you to do this. When you do this in us, it will be permanent. So we invite you now 
to have free reign in our hearts. Come in my heart right now. Lord, I, I, I did, I've been doing this a long time perhaps and I, I just want to wipe that slate and come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Would you just re, recalibrate, recenter what it is in me? Or maybe, Lord, I, I've never, I, I've, I've kind of looked at religion from afar and I, I, I kind of wasn't too attracted. But Lord, I, I, I want to know what it means to be a follower of you. And I want to say yes to you, Lord. Oh, I, I don't know what that means. So maybe that's you. Just please just connect with us. So would you just be with us over these weeks ahead as we really just seek out what it means to be an unashamed follower of King Jesus. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, have a fantastic week. And uh, it'll be great to connect with you again. Like I say, please do email. Uh, my email is keith.foster at waypointchurch.org.uk and uh, I'd love to hear from you. But God bless, stay safe and uh, we'll, we'll speak soon and uh, we look forward to seeing you again. God bless.